This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the MVSP. Virtually still over Zencaster. Brian, I see you in the webcam at least. But we're going to be back in the studio hopefully Monday, so that's very something to look forward to. Got a good show today, Brandon. Very excited. But first, how are you doing? You know, we're surviving, obviously, with the, the circumstances being um, virtual due to um, a COVID exposure. We figured we don't want to make sh- we want to make sure that everybody in our realm of Bulldog Radio is safe. So we decided to go off uh, off studio, off campus and record but we are glad you guys are sticking with us and hold on just a little bit while longer and we'll get back to the interviews and the wonderful content that you guys enjoy once again but still we got some great stuff coming on this week joe i, I mean especially we got ferris state sports coming around that it's it's really a good time to be a Fair state bulldog and a sports fan in general yeah definitely we got the fair state sports report today a couple of sports were over the weekend especially coming up this week as well and, you know, the spring sports are finally starting to get back in action. We didn't really get to see them last year, especially since COVID kind of canceled the season for a lot of the spring sports here at Ferris and a lot of spring sports for college as well. But nonetheless, very excited to get into. Also got a little bit more March Madness to talk about as it is, I mean, the best time of the year for any sports fan, I feel like. Because you don't even have to be a, a hardcore basketball watcher. You can be a casual fan and still enjoy it nonetheless. And then we got some NFL free agency to close out the show. But Brandon, Ferris State Bulldogs, golf. Came up over the uh, excuse me, over Monday, over the week, or basically weekend, and then kind of going into this uh, past week, uh, we talked about a little bit. I, if you remember two weeks ago, uh, with Thomas and Dan when they were on the show, very uh, they were kind of excited for it. Fair State, we finished fourth uh, in the I think it was seventeen total teams. Am I not correct? Yeah, I believe it was women's got fourth and then men's got third, I believe, at the Music City Invitational in Old Hickory, Tennessee. What a what a name for a town. What a what a name. Yeah, but. that's that's honestly I didn't even see that as a name. That's a that's a classic Tennessee name, to be honest. It, yeah, it's super cool. But our Bulldogs did very, very well on the course. Uh we used to mention Thomas, he's placed sixth overall in the entire tournament, shooting 142 combined of 271 rounds. Dan Shattuck, uh, 148 total. Uh, he had a 78, but then closed out very nicely with a 70, one of the high lowest rounds on the in the tournament. And there was there was a lot of good finishes. I mean, the fact that these guys are able to get playing again, swinging clubs out to side, especially with the weather we've had lately, being in the near the 50s and 60s. It's just great to see everything kind of, it's not necessarily like everything's back to normal, but we're getting that little yeah. glimpse of it's, it back. To- it's nice to be able to just kind of see that nice weather after. It feels like winter was just really long, just like the cold winter, especially just being inside and having quarantine and stuff like that. It's really nice to kind of see that good weather out and be able to just kind of experience the spring sports that are associated with warm, that are associated with kind of the end of the school year and get kind of ready for or another another time where COVID won't be uh, kind of on our mind as much. Yeah, and I actually just realized that uh, the women were actually not even at this uh, event. I they actually yeah. will start they this play, weekend. Yeah, they play this weekend. Yeah, so they'll be at the Saginaw Valley State Invitational. That's not in Saginaw. That's in Georgetown, Kentucky, due to the state COVID circumstances. But 
Very interesting. The men's, will, the men's the will be down there as well, right? Yep, the men's will be down there as well. Awesome. But just to make sure you guys are up to date on the great detail, but got a lot of sports coming this weekend as well. Um, tennis is in action this weekend. That They're going to have a good time, I'm sure, uh, taking on Wayne State at home and then Ashland on Saturday as well. So back-to-back home. In Bulldog the racket tennis. center. Yep, in the racket center. I don't think they're doing any spectators, but just be on yeah. the lookout and see how they do, you know? Just making yeah. sure that everybody's what's their, up to What's their date. record now? Because they got to be uh, on like a, what, seven-game win streak or something? Or seven-match uh, win streak? I mean, right now, their record, the men's team is 5-0 and oh when the, the technical season actually started. If you count the exhibition preseason, then they would be 6-2 and two with their two losses only being sure. against Western in Division One program. But I believe women are... Also, I'm pretty sure they're five and one. Five and one, yes. I know that they are. They are five and one. So, I mean, our tennis teams, folks, are pretty good. We're kind of slapping. We're kind of slapping. They're getting. They're getting the job done. But more notably, women's soccer is back this weekend. They will start their season against Parkside on a Friday matchup at 1 p.m. They're going to be traveling to Parkside across the pond. And then they also have a game on Sunday against Purdue Northwest. That'll be a one o'clock kickoff as well. So, I mean, we got we got sports coming around in full mm-hmm. till outdoor track starting up soon as well. Yeah. I mean, volleyball we got, as well. Yep. Volleyball is going to be taken on, I believe, Northwood this weekend. I mean, we're getting we're getting to the heat of spring. And I know a lot of students out there are probably thinking the same thing I am. Spring sports are starting, which means the semester is winding down, if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, about to come to a close. Very excited for that. For sure. But moving on now, we went over March Madness in our last show. If you haven't checked that out, check it out in our last episode in the feed. We did our whole bracket special of 2021 official filling out brackets with our buddy Barrett Jones from Mikes and Takes. But we figured some of you guys, we know you don't want to go through every single pick for an hour and 40 minutes. So we decided we're going to go over the tournament. Understandable. Uh, Yeah, completely understandable. So with this time, we're going to give you some of our analytical perspectives, more on the broad surface, not going to get fully in depth to all the games and just show you some teams that you should be looking out for, some players you should be looking out for, and some matchups you should be looking at as upsets. So. I well today I mean um the first four are today right Brandon? Yep, the first four are today. They this will one pl- this one's gonna be good. I feel this is like at least for like the eleven spot. That's the one that I'm looking forward to most for like the good games because you got Drake and Wichita State who both have like pretty good games or sorry pretty good seasons I should say now pretty good games. Mm-hmm. Drake was solid. I'm pretty sure they. I forget the record. I can look it up real quick. But Wichita State has been kind of a perennial, just like tournament maker. They haven't been anything like crazy. Yeah, Drake's been 25 and four. Mm-hmm. And then no, Wichita Drake's State, a good team. Yeah, and then Wichita State is 16 and five. But I'm still not sure who I want to take. I think I chose Drake, um, in our, um, in our bracket episode. I think. Because mm-hmm. they've beaten they beaten solid teams. I mean, they beat Loyola Chicago, who is in the tournament, who is, I think is an eight seed. And they've been able to beat just 
basically almost everybody in their whole conference. But Loyola Chicago is the only ranked opponent that they've played, and they split with them too. So I'm very much looking forward to see what they're being able to do. Um, I don't know if I don't know much about Wichita State, so I can't really speak on that. But I have them winning another game that I'm looking forward to. Brandon set close to 10 o'clock tonight, so late one is the UCLA Michigan State. Michigan State barely squeaked in to to make that what is it 26 straight uh, tournament appearances. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's the the second highest. I think current only trailing Kansas, if I remember correctly, barely which I mean is still bonkers like that's such a long time never had one blip in the road you've always been in the tournament regardless of seeding yeah that's insane but who do you have winning that one brandon because ucla is a pretty solid basketball school and then michigan state we saw what they've been able to do they've just been kind of hot and cold near the end of the season that's when they actually started to kind of turn it up they've been able to be they were able to be like four um ranked opponents or something like that so I'm definitely kind of looking for Michigan State. Also, just because it's Big Ten, I'm going to be rooting for for the Big Ten at any time of of the uh, of the tournament. But Brandon, you think Michigan State's going to be able to pull this one out? Ah, uh, th- this one is tough. First of all, I think that the the committee, um, Michigan State should not have been a play in. That's number one. The tournament. I'm I'm not going to say the tournament committee messed that up because I know what they were doing. They're bringing people in right out of the gate because yeah, this they want, is they want viewers. Yeah, this is the game that will bring everybody in. This is a tournament game that you see as a first four, and you're saying, "Oh my goodness, yeah, I'm definitely watching." But I mean, this this game's gonna be great. I think I think what's gonna be tough for me is what side of Michigan State we're going to see. Yeah, because I mean, Tom Izzo in March is. He just has different ball clubs, it seems like. I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, that that team that team last year that going into the the tournament that eventually was canceled with Cassius and Tillman, that team was on fire. They were rolling through everybody, Big Ten Championship. They were cruising. They were going to probably be a two, I don't even know if they would have been a two seed if as much as they could have been a one seed. I mean, that team was legit. And we never got to see how that team would do in March because that could kind of make us having a comparison. But this team's a lot different. This team is a lot more up and down. This team has a lot more, not as necessarily as many superstars as much as it is more overall depth and not as much variance yeah. as far as superstars to bench players. There's a it's a pretty it's a pretty consistent line on your roster. That's I mean, obviously, obviously you got Henry and you got yeah. Rocket Watts. That are going to be your playmakers, but you're you're not going to have as you're not going to have what's really going to I think going to show this game is UCLA has also kind of been up and down, but I mean they've been they've been pretty good. They've been on the brinks of a top twenty five team, uh, especially after February. So I think this I think this team um, excuse me before February this since then this team's been kind of sketchy. What UCLA has which makes this game even more interesting because now we're kind of seeing the flip the script. We're seeing Michigan State coming pretty hot, UCLA not, where the beginning of the year the teams were flipped. So yeah. really, if it's, I think the favorite right now might be UCLA just because they have, or um, Michigan just State cause just because yeah. they've played better as of late, which I think is fair. But I think the, I think the, the big part is going to be um, how UCLA responds. They haven't had their big man, Jalen Hill, which that they've not that they've just not been the same without him. I'm not sure if he's going to be back for this game, but um, 
I think what the 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 numbers say is this is a 55% chance to UCLA, even though I think the the majority of America and the majority of a lot of the analysts like Michigan State, especially with Tom Izzo, I mean he's 52 and 21 in tournaments. So I think that's going to be a definite thing to watch. I think that you're going to see a lot of guard play. You're going to see a lot of back and forth. I I I do like what I saw from Michigan State, especially when they played Michigan because they stayed scrappy and they stayed. I mean, a lot of their guys stepped up and hit big shots. Yeah. So if they if they can do that, I like their chances over a little bit of a depleted Bruins team. But I I think this is this is going to be the matchup. I know yeah. everybody said Michigan State should not have uh, a a first four game. I completely agree. This one is really just for ratings to get the tournament back into swing. I don't I because I mean Michigan State. You compare them to Syracuse. Michigan State's a much better team, much better resume, yeah. and they've been playing much better as of late. It's just they they just want to get the they just want to get the fire in the tournament. That's the only I think that's the only reason Michigan State is in this first four game because really they don't yeah. they don't need to be. Yeah, you mentioned last year with Michigan State's team just how like if they went into the tournament with that team, they had a really good chance of winning it all, and that just mm-hmm. reminds me like there's teams last year that like could have really done something that like we've never like the Dayton team if you remember with Obi Toppin who I think was like mm-hmm. top four almost all year and then you we wouldn't we weren't able to see them play at all like yep. what what teams like do you wish we could see this year play that we didn't be, that we weren't able to see last year some teams that we weren't like you mean like you want to like teams that from last year yeah that, that we would like, play this year yeah Oh, dude, that would be – that's tough. I I mean, obviously, I think I would have to put Michigan State at the top of the list just because of the way they were playing. I mean, that team was just such a fundamentally dominant team. I mean, they had Ward. They had Cassius. They had Tillman. They had all the pieces. Um, I I can't – They won the Big Ten Championship, right? Yeah. They 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 were like they were insanely good and i think the the biggest part about that team was like they were so good for like so like they were playing astronomically good at the end of the year like especially in the big 10 tournament i i this this team was really just absolutely phenomenal and i think with the way that izzo has had some of those teams you're really interested to see because, I mean, obviously with the success and how it's been going, I think yeah. that I, I, I would be – it would be just something crazy to be able to watch them again. I think that the Dayton team you brought up is definitely a team that I would be all for watching because, I mean, Obi Toppin was one of the best players in the country. I would have been interested to see um, how Michigan would do, obviously, because they were probably going to get – um, a lower seed, I'm, I'm sure, just because that team was a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I would, I wouldn't say like depleted, but I think that it would have been, it just wouldn't have been the same team that we might have seen like a couple years ago when they went to the Final Four. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think it would have been interesting. I think there would have been a lot of other guys that could have made some noise. I think Marcus Howard for Marquette would have been one of those guys. Yeah, I mean the they really got bounced out early, and they just they just drew, they just drew a bad matchup playing against one of the best, most hot players in the country of John Morant the year before. Like that team was pretty good. Yeah, I think it would have been. I think what have been more interesting is being able to see 
players that we're seeing this year, how they did last year, so we could see how the the comparison would be going down the road into this tournament to see how how well they would be able to play, how well they would be able to go, especially the younger guys. Like we we saw a lot of guys last year, like um that we we never got to see in the tournament too. I mean Cole Anthony being one of them for North Carolina, we never saw we never saw guys like him play. I mean we didn't see guys like Trey Jones being able to play, Lamar Stevens being able to play, Anthony Edwards being able to play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some of those guys weren't in the tournament, but just being able to see a lot of those those star players get a chance on the big stage would have definitely been fun. I mean, I mean, you bring up players that they're going to be probably playing in this year's tournament. I mean, Travion Williams is one of them from Purdue. I mean, that guy's a stud. We're going to see him play really well. And I mean, there's there's a lot. There's there's really a lot of great players. And I mean, there's a lot of guys we're gonna be having our eye on. I mean, especially that Gonzaga team with Jalen Suggs. Uh, I mean, Io DeSumo from Illinois. It's gonna be such a superstar oriented, uh, I think, tournament this year, just because there's so many notable names and so many notable places. I mean, it, this is just gonna be a fun tournament. I'm really excited. Yeah, a couple other teams too. Like last year with North Carolina when they had Cole Anthony, I think. Now, especially since I don't, they didn't even make the tournament, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. It's right. just to see that, like, what could have been last year with that running for that team, and especially how Cole Anthony ran it, basically, and especially the Duke team as well. When they, I think they were like fourth or fifth or something in the country at the time because they had uh, Trey Jones matching up with Cash Stanley. I honestly thought Duke was going to be a little bit better this year, to be honest. I thought Cash Stanley was going to be able to learn from Trey Jones a little bit more. And kind of be able to take over that role. But I guess not. Because, like, I did not think that they were not going to be able to make the tournament after this year. But, I mean, nonetheless, you kind of don't have the recruiting class that you did. The guys who are playing aren't as kind of big names. I think the only one that I know that's on Duke's team right now is... is this, what, it's not Buckmeyer, is it? Uh Oh, I, are you talking about Brockmeyer? I think so. Let me, I'm I know who you're talking about. I just can't picture him right now. I mean, Matthew Hurt is the one that I think is like the most notable as of now, just because I mean he's really the the only guy that's been holding that team together really the last the last bit. But I I think this year's tournament you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of teams that have a lot of different resumes, especially with how this tournament's been put together. Because I mean now with this new, I mean you got so many teams that are um our conference champions that necessarily are put towards the bottom of the bracket. Like, obviously you get that every year, but I mean, there's so many at large teams as of now, like there's usually a lot of conference champions that have been put up into the, the eights or the nines or the tens. And it makes them pretty obvious, pretty, pretty obvious picks for upsets. But now you got so many that are down on the list. Cause there's so many, there's so many teams that have been, put into the playing games yeah like there's also, i mean there's also a lot of teams too that were like that were number one in their conference for the longest time that made the tournament but then didn't win the conference turn the didn't win the conference championship so right then they yeah. got put in a lower seed and then the conference champions who maybe would have been the three or four seed in their own conference are now higher than them which even makes it even more interesting because that's gonna be basically recipe for upsets I honestly don't under I don't under I want to say understand I don't know what to really think with this because I feel like it could either go one or two ways a lot of upsets or no upsets 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think th- I think with the the nature of the bracket this year, like um, obviously we'll, we're going to go into our some of our upset picks here in a minute. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of teams out there that like you if they win one game, you're going to look at them and say, OK, they can go on a run just because of the way the, the brackets set up. And I think notably for sure, like some teams like you're going to watch is the four thirteens and the five twelves, because obviously those are the upsets that you always love to pick. Because there's a lot of, I think what we've seen a lot this year is a lot of teams that are up higher, like especially in seeding, that have been a little bit inconsistent due to either just getting used to this environment, playing a different type of basketball than they normally do. And I mean, especially with teams now having to go through COVID, like, I mean, we bring up the number one Baylor team. They, they're number one team in the country. Don't get them wrong, but they're not playing the way they did pre-COVID. They're they're not the same Baylor Bear basketball team. Like that that team was the, pretty much the number one team in the country. I think the consensus. It's just that Gonzaga had. I think that that name and how well they've been playing is a reason they were number one. But mm-hmm. that Baylor Bear basketball team was playing the best basketball pre-COVID. In, when they had their hiatus. Since then, they haven't been the same team. They've really been probably around the hovering around a two seed probably the way they haven't been playing the same and you have some of those a lot of those teams that are in the fours and the fives I mean Virginia is going to be getting off the plane tomorrow on Friday to be playing their Saturday game because they got players in quarantine still so the fact is like what what side of these teams are you going to see from these inconsistencies like are you going to see the top team or are you going to see the bottom team because Really, that's going to be the the huge determining of upsets because a lot of these teams have talent. It's just how are they going to adjust to the adjust and adapt and move on in their tournament? Yeah, and I mean that's the thing about this tournament too is like there's so much on the line in that first round because for the longest time we thought number ones were just unbeatable, but then when UMBC happened, if teams don't show up to play, you're super like. You're messed up because you're super anticipated, like, tournament, like, performance that, like, you would go to, like, the Sweet 16, you go to the Final Four or something. Those number one teams who are projected, even when they don't show up, we've seen that there's been able to basically be upset. And that's the one thing that I love about the tournament is, like, you have to be on your A game for these – for if you want to go all the way to the national championship, you have to be on your A game for the round of 64, round of 32, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, and then you have to be on your game even more for the national championship. And I think that's what a lot of people overlook, or a lot of players, I think, overlook because they might get complacent with, I mean, if they're a higher-ranking team, they'll say, oh, like, we can, like, oh, we're two seed facing off against 15, like, we can get through this round and then kind of start taking it more seriously. And that's when the upsets start to happen. Because, I mean, we saw with Duke and Lehigh, there were so many people saying, oh, like, Duke's going to roll over Lehigh. And then Lehigh came out to play, and Duke was just not hitting shots. They came out slow. And then that's kind of when we saw that upset go down. And that's what I'm super excited for is what teams are going to be mentally ready for this, which I don't think they're going to have a – I don't think teams are going to have a problem to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm mentally ready. But it's going to come down to the individuals who understand the severity of not coming ready for a game because then they'll be able to – that's when the upsets happen is when the higher seeds don't take the game seriously or when they're just a little bit less uh, – I guess their mental game is less uh, strong as those lower seeds. Yeah, and I am I mean the momentum is such a unique aspect to this year's tournament as well because, I mean, you got teams like Georgetown – one game over 500, 13 and 12. 
but they rolled through a Big East championship and they they beat Villanova. They got through all the way and won the Big East tournament. And they were theoretically not supposed to be a tournament team. They 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 were not supposed to make the tournament. The only reason they made the tournament is because they won the automatic bid by winning the Big East. Like you have a lot of those teams that have they they've got all the momentum in the world coming into this tournament. I mean, San Diego State is another one of them. They're 23 and 4 and they just they just plowed their way through that conference. So, I think this this year's going to be really interesting. And I mean, you got the aspect of how much experience a lot of these teams have cuz some teams have played near 28 30 games while some teams like Colgate only played 15 games. Like this is going to be such an interesting season because you have all different aspects that normally you don't be you're not able to see, just because usually every year you got okay all these teams are averaging around twenty five thirty five thirty games. You pretty much seen the throughout of they're pretty much seen the 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 aspect of their schedule. You can see the strength of schedule, how they've responded. But since there's so many other like that some teams aren't even playing on their home courts. Like some teams have only played all, all mostly away games. Like there's so much different, there's so many different aspects this year than years past. And especially that this year is pretty much going to be in a bubble, which is not, which is going to be an interesting experience. Just the fact that this whole tournament's going to be in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be some teams that they're, they're not going to be like some teams in some teams years will past. Thrive. They'll thrive. Yes. Yeah. Like, they'll thrive like in those you said, They haven't really played any games at their home at home so they're used to being on the road getting ready for games and getting ready to really show out and play when they don't have the security of being able to be like all right we're home right now we have at least some fans we're in a spot where we recognize it but i mean when they're chalked up or when they're tossed up into a spot where they're not familiar with or they just don't feel comfortable because they're not home every single year when they had the majority of their games if not all their games away because their state like is being dumb and they don't allow them to play or something that's one thing that's going to really change it up is because these teams who are more used to playing on the road this year who have made the tournament, I think that you really got to toss that into consideration as well because a lot of these teams are going to be used to playing home. And that's kind of one thing about the tournament is that's kind of level playing field is we're used to being able to play at home. But then when it comes down to it, I don't know if Mark, I don't know if playing in Indianapolis is going to be the equalizer for a lot of these teams anymore. Yeah, I think – I think there's three things really going into this tournament that be, you should be watching when looking at pick making your picks for the bracket. Obviously, they're going to be locking in pretty much tomorrow. There's going to be things that you're going to have to watch. One of them being, how has the team that you're picking done on the road? A, because, I mean, it's real or neutral floor. Away in neutral floor, because home floor is obviously a huge advantage. But if you got a strong team that plays well on the road, like you're not going to be picking Minnesota in a tournament. Like in they're a great home team, but on the road they just they're just not the same team. They're they're re- they're they're really a comfort a comfort thriving team where they're not in the tournament this year for that reason. They can't play on the road. And that that pretty much ate, ate them up in the Big 10. There's a lot of teams in here that thrive in on the road. Like they they do really well. Baylor being one of them. They've done really well. Whereas a team like Gonzaga's played majority of their schedule at home. So there's going to be a lot of different aspects to it. I mean, there's other teams that have played on neutral floor on some of the SEC teams. I think obviously going into uh, invitational tournaments earlier in the year. Yeah. So they're going to be used to that neutral floor aspect. So being able to see their away record and their neutral record is going to be one important thing. Another thing is how 
what the momentum is, obviously, just talked about this. How have they done in their last 10? How have they been playing? There's other teams that have been really struggling as of late. I mean, Purdue's a four seed. They lost their first game in the conference champ or in the Big Ten Conference tournament. And Villanova did as well to Georgetown. Those teams lost their first game. They're coming off of a, a bad loss, really. They're not the same. They're not going coming in with that high momentum that a lot of other teams have, like Georgetown, um, like San Diego State that I mentioned earlier. A lot of these other teams that are just rolling right now. North Carolina also being one of them. They they were really a team going going in that wasn't supposed to make the tournament, and they've really turned it around in the last half of the season. So just seeing how those teams respond with their momentum, th- those things are going to be huge. I think the third thing, obviously, and I think this is this is definitely taken for granted every year, is the level of competition they play. And I know that obviously with upsets, that's not going to be as you're not going to be seeing a lot of the upset worthy teams that we might make on our list as being able to beat high end competition just because of the conferences they're from. But I think that one thing that you have to realize is there's so many teams on this list that play in powerful conferences that have beaten a lot of these teams that already have experience what they're going up against. Like, and there's a lot higher seeds that necessarily haven't played against the high level competition. Like for example, St. Bonaventure, they are a nine seed. They're not from a top five power five conference. They're, they're from a lower end conference. They're going to have to go up against some of the tougher, con- like in their bracket, they're probably going to have to go up against LSU, who is their first round. Then they're going to have to go against Michigan. And then later on, they're going to have to go against Colorado, Florida State. Those are all teams from power five conferences. So the fact is, how are those teams going to respond? It's going to be huge. And then on the other end, you got teams like Oregon State. You got teams like Georgetown, you got teams mm-hmm. that have played in the higher end conferences that are lower seeds that they're used to being playing up against those big dogs. Like we saw what Georgetown did, like and we saw Oregon State did in the Pac-12 tournament. They took down a lot of those good Pac-12 teams. So the fact is, I think there's a lot of things that we can, should be looking forward. March Madness. I think there's a lot of upsets that we could pick, Joe. Speaking of upsets, Brandon, I know you and me talked about it before. Kind of for an MV3 a little bit. We're going to go over our top three most, I guess, most plausible upsets for us or ones that we would really like to see. Brandon, what's ones that you think could really shake up the bracket? And what's one, uh, a couple that you think you got the insider tips on? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of them here in this bracket. Obviously, like... These three picks that I'm I'm making the most we're make we're causing we're calling it the most plausible and I think it's really to me when I look at sleeper obviously everybody has a different interpretation of a sleeper mine is a team that you're going to look over that has a legitimate shot of winning and getting and even getting on a run and winning more games and I think mm-hmm. there's there's some teams on this list that I'm picking and I know um, Joe has some too we'll just alternate here I'll start with my my number three upset. I, I'm going to take UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara. They're right now 12 seed against Creighton. This one on paper is a really gettable upset. Creighton has been up and down. They've really been, they were really a, a great team at the beginning of the year. I know me and Joe talked a lot about them. They, they were a very efficient team. Now they've been dropping off their playing level. They're, there's a little bit of animosity with their coaching staff right about now, if you haven't heard about it, with some of the comments that were made. Some of those teammates spoke out about it. There's not The team chemistry has been severed a little bit in Creighton, and they came up a bad loss to Georgetown. 
they're coming into this really dry. And you see, you see Santa Barbara as a team that they're they're not going to back down. I mean, this team's twenty two and four. They've taken care of their conference. They've done a great job. They've really been efficient. They can score the basketball. They can defend. They they can really give Creighton a tough time because if Creighton can't hit their shots, they're going to be in trouble. And I think UC Santa Barbara is going to be one team that you should watch out for. So that's my number three. Definitely. Um, My number three, one that I think is most possible, I don't have it marked down, but I do think it could happen. I'll probably make a bracket where this does happen. Uh, it's in the same uh division. I got Ohio beating Virginia. That's a good Ma- one. Mainly because Virginia, throughout their season, I don't think they have a win against a ranked opponent. Maybe one. But from what I see, they haven't, other than Syracuse in the ACC tournament, they haven't really been able to beat anybody. I, They might be able to kind of come off that hot win in the ACC tournament and play with, but Ohio also is very good. We've been able to see them play uh, extremely well. But nonetheless, I think Ohio is going to be able to shake up the table. It's kind of ruin some people's brackets if they're able to get some stuff done. Yeah, and not to point out, Jason Preston, he's the leader of their team. He's the do-it-all point guard. He's got LaMelo-type yeah. skills. He's got a John Morant-type vibe to what Murray State did. That team took down a – that Murray State team that was a 12 seed took down a really good a really good Marquette not team. To mention, so, not to mention they only lost to – at the time, I think it was – number six or seven Illinois by two points. It was 77 mm-hmm. to 75 near the start yeah, of the season. They played with the number two team in the country right now. Mm-hmm. In and they, they are, they already upset Toledo in the Mac tournament when they beat, because Toledo was ranked number one in the Mac. I know that. And then they played Buffalo in the, in the championship game and they upset them as well. And throughout the tournament, they, I think they've, I think they had a margin of at least, I think 20 points or so for two or th- three games uh, between them and their opponents. So Ohio's coming off a hot streak. I think they're going to be able to come in, really do some damage against this Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah, and not to and we already mentioned Virginia. They we're not sure what's yeah, what Cavaliers no team we're no going to get. Upsets. Yeah, they've been upset before and even with the circumstances with COVID, we don't know what they're going to be. But yeah, I think both of our three picks, uh UCSB and Ohio very similar, led by a dominant conference player. You mentioned Jason Preston for Ohio and Jaquari McLaughlin for Santa Barbara. They Those teams that came in hot, they ran through their tournament. UCSB smacked pretty much in the Big West, and Ohio took care of the MAC. Both these teams are hot and coming out of great tournaments. Like I, I will not be surprised if we see a 12-13 matchup with Virginia and Creighton both falling. Uh, another upset that I've got on my radar, I think at number two, is going to be I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to stick away from what from what Joe's looking at here so we can get you as many upsets as possible. I think another one I'm gonna be seriously looking at is Georgetown, Colorado. I think this one is not necessarily as high on my radar as possible. The the fact now that I'm thinking about the way I'm ranking these, I could really see this going to be flip flopped with uh my previous pick to go up to number two. But either way I think this one's going to be interesting just because Colorado and Georgetown, Georgetown's red hot. They're, they're, they're really a team that's been playing really good basketball at the right time. Colorado has been a little bit shaky. I mean, they shoot really well from free throws, but when they don't, they're, they're not as great. They rely on offense a little bit, which can get shaky in tournament. We've seen a lot of powerhouse offensive teams struggle and they get taken down by pretty good defensive teams, which Georgetown, they, they can rebound the basketball. If you put up a shot and miss, they're coming down with it. They're going to take possessions away from you. Mm-hmm. So 
Georgetown could be a team that's really sneaky. They came in as they pretty much came in the best way they can. And especially with the Cinderella story behind they're 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 playing for a reason that a lot of other teams aren't. Like th- this whole year has just been an emotional roller coaster for that program, losing John Thompson and his impacts. That that team is playing for something higher than themselves. And that's that's always when you see Cinderella stories happen and when you got those stories, especially with Loyola Chicago last last two years ago with Sister Jean. You know, there's always a when there's that little bit of extra oomph, there's that little bit of extra motivation that these teams can really, really get it together. I think Georgetown could be one of those teams. Yeah. Who I'm still trying to figure out if I want to put this at one or two. Um, but I gotta I gotta go with uh Winthrop taking yep. over Villanova. I don't know if that's on your list, Brandon, but that's one that we were talking about uh in the bracket selection show. That was one thing that we were really looking at. I have them beating Villanova in my in my in my main bracket, the one that I gave a lot of thought. So hopefully that goes down because if they don't, then that'll kind of screw up my bracket a little bit. But nonetheless, Winthrop, I'm pretty sure they're uh, they basically dominated their conference. I'm pretty sure if I'm if I'm mistaken. Oh yeah, dominated, straight dominated, absolutely dominated. Nova's having a little bit less than ideal season so far. Uh, I think they really just got number five because of their name mostly um but like nonetheless i'm still excited to see because i love upsets honestly i know we're going through like the upsets part of the bracket and stuff but like that's the one thing i love about march madness because literally you can have cinderella stories you can have all that um but nonetheless gonna love it uh, i got winthrop taking villanova that's one of those gut feelings i don't know why i it's gonna be close i feel like but winthrop i think it's gonna take it yeah, I think that's that's a really good one. I think that was going to be my number one selection, but I can definitely, I definitely have more I can throw up. I think Winthrop is a really good team. Villanova without Connor Gillespie, much different ball team. They're they're not the same team. Like they're they're a little bit depleted. Mm. I think is the appropriate word because they're not they're not like the team's not wrecked. They're not destroyed. Villanova's still a good team. They yeah. they could still find their way to the Sweet Sixteen at least. No, there's no question about that. They're the side of Villanova without Connor Gillespie is like that extra firepower is what I think that team needs when they get in trouble. I think that Connor Gillespie has a similar vibe to what Isaiah Livers has for Michigan. I think when you get into the situations where you really haven't been hitting, you've been struggling a little bit, you just need somebody to go out and get a bucket to get the momentum back. Gillespie was really that guy that necessarily wasn't necessarily the surface player, like mm. obviously going to be that guy, but he was a guy that stepped up in a lot of those moments. And especially with livers, like he's not the, he's not the highest point scorer all the time. He's the guy that comes in when you need to make a play. He's a playmaker and he's really good at it. So I think that's a, that's an excellent yeah. pick. And the one thing about sure. Winthrop too, is like the one thing I would say that I am nervous for, just looking at their schedule and kind of what they've been able to do, they were able to roll their whole conference, but every once in a while you see them scoring 55 points or 60 when they're averaging about 80, 85, high 70s. And that's the one thing I am kind of worried about if that comes into the tournament play, if Villanova is able to kind of hold them back from shooting, kind of toss them off their game. That's like the only reason I'm going to see Nova being able to win. But I just don't think Winthrop's going to be – I because they – the last time that they had it was just before the conference tournament. So I don't know if that's going to be due up for uh, that kind of that blip game that's going to throw off a lot of people's brackets. So I think Winthrop's going to be able to take it, 
just because kind of the trend right now for for them that that blip in the that blip game isn't isn't going to happen at least for the round of 64. Yeah. My I think the the number one that I'll take then. This one I personally don't really this this one's tough. I've made my my opinions on what I think of this bracket pairing and how much I absolutely dislike it because oh. it would make me feel so much better. Joe, I know which one I I you know which I know one which I'm talking one you're about. Pick. Yeah. This one's going to be in the Midwest 413 Oklahoma State Liberty. I really like Oklahoma State. I really do. And I don't know how many times I've said it, and I'll say it again. If Liberty had drawn a different four seed, regardless of Virginia, Florida State, or Purdue, I'm taking Liberty without question. This Liberty Thanks. team is a legitimate team. They entered the tournament. They'd won 12 in a row. They're, they're basically one of the best overall teams top in- to bottom in the country. They yeah. play with pace. They play extremely good basketball. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams, free-throw shooting teams. They're very good at pace, really good at efficiency, getting out and run. This Liberty team's legit, and the only reason they're being held down is just because some of those games that they played, they played Missouri and they played Purdue, and they fell up short. And Oklahoma State is a legitimate team that has beaten a lot of the caliber teams, including Baylor, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, all these other, West Virginia, all these teams. Like, Oklahoma State is a legitimate title contender. They should be. They got the number one player in the country, or number two player in the country, I should say, AP style. But some would say the number one player in the country. Going to be the number one pick yeah. in the NBA draft. Cade Cunningham hopefully to, Yeah, hopefully to Detroit, knock on wood. But yeah, if he I drops think, that far. Yeah, but these are the matchups that always seem to be a coin flip. This, this one, to me, has the allure in not just the attention-grabbing, but just the the dreadfulness that we saw two years ago with Murray State and Marquette, both really good, efficient offensive teams, really can light the scoreboard. But one of the teams is going to fall flat. It's just going to happen. Yeah. How Liberty responds, they've played really well the last 12 games. How they're going to do that and against Oklahoma State, it's going to be interesting because obviously you're going to have to slow down Cade Cunningham, that offense. But, I mean, this is Frank. There's been a, thir- a f- 13 beating a four, 25 last 35 years. And some of those were by double digits, like we saw with Murray State and Marquette. There's going to be a 4-13 upset. Like, there's no question that there's, there hypothetically should be one. When I look at a lot of these matchups, I look at UNC Greensboro and Florida State as the next closest behind Virginia and Ohio. But if there's another 14-13 that I'm looking at, or 4-13 that I'm looking at, it's definitely going to be that one. Because Liberty Flames are no joke. Yeah, definitely. And that's like the one thing, too, is because you can say like Liberty over the last 12 games, if you look at that, they got the game. But then you can also kind of second guess yourself and say over the last 12 games, they've been hot. They're due for a kind of mess up and they're due for a bad game. And that's the one thing, too, that kind of gets into your head with picking these March Madness games is you can either go the one way that you're either going to stay hot or they're going to have a, a mess up game or they're going to have a little uh, hiccup. Yeah, I think yeah, this is this is the thing that I would more emphasize on this pick. There's always a team year after year that America absolutely loves and they should theoretically be a final four team and they'll lose in one of the first two rounds. We've seen it almost every year. I know my heart was absolutely ripped out of my chest a couple years ago when Stephen F. Austin and for, and new or former coach of Stephen F. Austin, now coach of Illinois, Brad Underwood, 
beat a West Virginia Mountaineer team that was Press Virginia, one of the best teams in the country that people had going to the national championship, and they lost in the first round. So there's always a team that's hypothetically going to be put at the top, and there's always going to be a team that's going to fall short. Oklahoma State just seems like they could be they're they're almost too hot if that makes sense. And there's, yeah. there's that's kind of a reason why I don't I'm not as high on Illinois. And I think Illinois is the but the best they they're playing the best basketball in the country right now. No question about it. But are they getting hot too early is the question because we saw it earlier in the year with Illinois as well cuz we remember we had the well, I did not top think, I did not think Illinois was going to be able to like finish this strong or finish exactly. that high in the rankings. Yeah, they were they were undefeated number three in the country, and then they dropped like three of their next five. Yeah, they so slowed that part, down hard. That part so scares me. But then they picked it back up, so that's going to be one thing to definitely watch out. My last uh, upset to watch for, it's going to be a two and a 15 because I think it's going to happen. I have it in my bracket. I got Cleveland State up upsetting Houston. Oh, I reason, like that one. For the main reason, if you know who I'm talking about, is going to take over the game and is going to shut down Houston's offense. Probably shut down their point guard and basically any short of outside shooting that they have. It's Michi Terry, bald fam. He was bald in high school. He's the only person <laughs> ever in high school to lock up Lamelo. I'll tell you what. He's the guy to watch for that team. I think that they're going to – no, I know that they're going to be able to upset him. Okay? I know it. Because I have it, it's a gut feeling, and I have a super strong gut feeling. It's one of those things in March Madness where you just know it's going to happen, and no matter what, nobody can change your mind off of it. I think it's going to come down to how Cleveland State plays defense, if they're going to be able to, if Meech Terry's going to be able to do something, if he's going to be able to kind of get his teammates to rally, if they're going to be able to play well. I think it's going to be the big deciding factor in the game. And if Houston doesn't come out to play, then we'll see what happens. But nonetheless, I'm. Tell you what, that Cleveland State team defense is going to be scary. Yeah, I think I think of all the two seeds, I think the most beatable is going to be Houston, just because I think I, Cleveland State's—they're no joke as a 15 seed. They played Ohio State earlier in the year. They only lost by six. They mm-hmm. played with this team, like they—they they can legitimately get it together. I think that this one's going to be a lot overlooked, just because on paper. I mean, Houston's one of the best defensive teams in the country. No question. And they've been having a lot of high-scoring games, especially oh, later, yeah. later in the season. They were kind of finding their way. Yeah. I think what really is going to hurt Houston is how how much expectation there is now, I think, is going to be huge. Because, I mean, they've not been a high seed in a tournament for a long time. I mean, they were the three, they were the, the sixth seed a couple years ago when we had to play them. And, obviously... Jordan Poole, and that that moment was Best created. Meter. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I'm still playing it in my head right now. But um, Houston's got a lot of expectations, and sometimes those teams with high expectations, like Duke, going into the Lehigh game, are going to look past their first opponent, and they could get in trouble, and that could eat them up. So I think that's a, that's a really good one. I think one that we didn't mention. Um, I know that one's going to be really interesting, Joe. You took in our bracket show, uh, Colgate against Arkansas, just because. I mean, this this game's gonna really come down to who doesn't miss. Whoever's gonna score yeah. the most is gonna win. This is gonna be a track meet. I mean, these two teams have the two two of the best three offenses in the country, I believe, only trailing Gonzaga. They both average over eighty points. There, this this is just gonna be up and down, up and down, up and down. Whoever makes the most shots is gonna win the game, and that could be that could be so reliant on that night that even though Arkan, our Arkansas might be the better offensive team, 
Colgate just might hit more shots. So I think that's America's number one upset they're putting in right now. And it's for good reason. Colgate could be a legitimate contender to, to make an upset and even move on because they play Arkansas then. They could play a Texas Tech team that relies a little bit on... Um, I think they, they rely a little bit on the big moments. They rely on their offense a little bit too much. That defense is still really good. Chris Beard's yeah. got that team. I really like what they can do. But, I mean, if they if Utah State somehow pulls together an upset, that could be one. If Colgate outshoots the bigs on out Utah State, they're going to be moving out of the Sweet 16. So they, they could have a good route to get there. Yeah, I'm very much – that that was a team that I was very much looking forward to because that's going to be just an offensive shootout first mm-hmm. round. For sure. But uh, moving on to wrap up the show, um, I, we know we talk about basketball a lot right now just because that's what America's talking about right now. But it, if you are missing it, NFL free agency just started, and boy, oh boy, it is off to the races. We got teams signing guys left and right, and I'm sure some of you haven't even heard of some of the big-name signings that were made, and some of them you should know. And we figured we want to show you those, tell you our thoughts, and so forth. But I think this one's probably one of the fun ones that I think everybody's waiting to see where Mr. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Mr. Fitzmagic is going to be. He's going to be in a Washington football team uniform next year on a one-year $10 million deal. Joe, the beard is in the nation's capital. How does it make you feel? I'm glad he plays another season. Let me tell you what. I I think that's a good pickup for them because they wait, Dwayne Haskins is not uh, Washington's team anymore, right? No, he's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, he got released, but I think that's a solid pickup for them, mainly because you always see production out of Fitzmagic. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, he's coming he's coming off the bench or if he's starting. I think that's going to be a really solid situation for them, especially with kind of they need, I want to say fast results, but they're in a good spot with their defense, where their offense just needs to work a little bit, and they could possibly be a playoff contending team. And I think this is the move that they had to make because Ryan, Fitzma- Ryan Fitzpatrick knows what he's doing. He has experience. He knows how to command an offense and to kind of teach guys uh, the rules a little bit. He's been in the league for so long that he kind of can pick up on what these guys, what these you know, new players, these guys who don't know exactly what they're doing yet, what they need to do. I think this is a really good pick for them. A really good pickup, excuse me, for them. Yeah, this is a team that legitimately made the playoffs with four different starting quarterbacks. Or it, It's just bonkers. Like This team is just a staple quarterback away from being a legitimate playoff contender. And I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that's, he's a playmaker. He's pretty smart, obviously. He has to be. He goes to Harvard. So I think that this move is going to be, I don't know if it's necessarily as much as a stopgap as it is necessarily a rollover of knowledge to Taylor Heineke because they sound like, Washington sounds like they love Taylor Heineke. I mean, they signed him to an extension, bringing in Fitzmagic, giving him the knowledge to be a starting quarterback can be especially needed. And then you get you get the playoff boost from going to actually getting a quarterback that's going to be on the field most of the time when Ryan Fitzpatrick knock on wood because he's been one of the more healthier quarterbacks in the league. But Washington also signing Curtis Samuel from Carolina. That's going to be deadly getting Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, former teammates at Ohio State, back together. That's really scary. A.J. Green is leaving Cincinnati. He's going to be signing with Arizona. 
to pair up with DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk. I mean, that's just bonkers. That's going to be something hey, to see. Yeah, Cardinals that they're they're really they're really going all in on that offense. They're making it happen. Um, but who's going to take Fitz Magic's place in Miami? Not Deshaun Watson as of now. That's going to be Jacoby Brissett, who they signed earlier two days ago. That's going to be an interesting move to see what that what that entails as far as Tua's future. If Brissett's nearly going to be the backup, or he's going to be the starting guy and really get Tua back into the role like last year, that'll be very interesting. Yeah, but um, I think one of the the more interesting signings that's a really fun, Bills taking Emmanuel Sanders to pair with Stephon Diggs and John Brown. I love that pick. I love that pickup for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I was gonna say that too. That was one of the ones that I was looking at for Emmanuel Sanders because like they need somebody other than Stephon Diggs to throw to picking him up, giving Josh Allen another person to throw, uh, and kind of. Just kind of take the pressure off Stephon Diggs as well. It's going to be a big thing for them, especially come playoff time uh, when they when they need to kind of when teams are definitely going to be able to uh, combat with uh, Stephon Diggs. That's a really good pickup. But um, I was surprised to see that Cam Newton got another signing by the New England Patriots. I think we talked about this already, but that was just one thing that I was not really expecting because mm-hmm. the season that he had and the expectations that he wasn't able to meet. I feel like was going to be a red flag for um, Bill Belichick, and I thought he wouldn't be—he really wouldn't do it. But nonetheless, if he see if if Bill Belichick wants him there, you definitely know that him and Robert Kraft are in cahoots with that. So I think that it's going to be—it's going to be a sight because I don't know if Newton's going to be able to keep up with the or kind of keep up with the expectations of last year, or if he's going to let those guys get uh, get the people get the people's thoughts in his head because I didn't really, I didn't really expect that to that signing to happen. Yeah. I think the, the new England situation is really interesting. I mean, Cam oh, Newton, crap I don't sign a lot of people. Yeah, they did. So Cam Newton as a, as really, I don't think he's the long-term guy. He might be another stop or stopgap guy uh, to fill the need forever. The next quarterback is. And I, I know I mentioned this on the last, don't be surprised if there's another mood made move made or they, they draft another guy. Because because the fact that Cam's only signing one year deals that that tells you that he's he's not the long term answer. So, but I mean they're giving it all to him this year. I mean they signed two tight ends in Chanu Smith and Hunter Henry, two of the more dynamic tight ends in the NFL. I mean Cam loves his tight end. I know I said that, and he's got his tight end, so he's got to be happy. They signed pass rusher Matthew Judon, receiver Nelson Aguilar. I mean this team's just they just unloaded. I absolutely unloaded at the at the start of free agency. I believe they also signed um former uh blanking on his name right now, played for the Jets. Uh I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Another another D or another lineman. But I mean they've they've made moves. They they went from the number two on they had the second most cap or third most cap in the NFL. And I mean they've they spent almost a hundred million dollars on the first day. Like they're they're ready to they're ready to rock and roll. They're, this team is ready to get it done, and they they think it's time now to do it. Um, some other notable ones: uh, John Johnson from he's going to go from the Rams to the Browns. I think it's a pretty underrated underrated signing. I mean John Johnson is one of the smarter uh, defensive backs in the game. Corey Davis from the Titans. He's going to be going to the Jets, and Bud Dupree will be going to the Titans from the Steelers. Uh, Jameis Winston, he's staying in New Orleans. 
Shaquille Griffin is going to go to Jacksonville. Be interesting to see if they take his brother there too. Uh, Leonard Williams, he's going to stay with the New York Giants. And I think the most... Oh, and the Lions signed Jamal Williams. So, hey, oh, we yeah, did something. yeah, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, we did sign Jamal Williams from Green Bay. And we traded for Michael Brocker. So, hey, we're making moves, especially over the last 24 hours. Money Even moves. Money moves, especially now that the trade is processed, that now we officially have Jared Goff on the team. So, as that went through today. Uh, Patrick Peterson also made his way to the NFC North. Of course, ruined that. Taking Going to the Minnesota, uh, former Bears tackled Kyle Long going to the Chiefs. Makes sense there. Chiefs need all the linemen they can get. Mm-hmm. But I think to round out the show, what are the Bears doing? I don't know what they're doing. Hey, and the it, Red Rocket knows what he's doing. I think. Okay. They're gonna here's have, the thing. Wait, is Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles still under contract? I, I think they said they're releasing Trubisky. Foles is still there. You know, Andy Dalton's a good backup. I'll tell you what, I don't, I just don't understand what the Bears, I feel like they've just been on, like, a drug trip ever since they picked up Mitch Trubisky, and they just haven't come down from it, because it, I don't understand, I just don't understand what's going on over there. I feel, I just feel bad, honestly. Yeah, here's my thoughts on this. And I know all Bears fans will probably want to hear this. And I, I, I'm with you guys. This move right here, like, Red Pace's job has been under question, is under the hot seat. He just lit the seat on, lit the seat on fire. He didn't, yeah. he didn't put it, he didn't put it, like, he, put he didn't the gas put a torch. He put the gasoline on it, let it sit there for a second, let it soak in, and then he just put a, absolute flamethrower on it and scorch the seat because yes this is this is such a bad look if you're chicago the only thing this team needs to be a legitimate nfc contender is a quarterback and the fact is they have not made this is the only year that they've really truly went out and made attempts at getting that guy because they they made a legitimate trade offer to the Seahawks. The Seahawks aren't ready to get to let Russ walk yet. They're they're not ready to see him play in another uniform. No. They're just they just can't do it. And I know that was the the, the Bears made an offer that was like three first rounds, a third round, and a couple other players. And you're like, wait a minute, they did what? They're just not ready to get rid of Russell. Means more to that organization than just a football player. Yeah. But the fact is, this is the only year that they really tried to go after a guy. And go and get a franchise quarterback. Mitch Trubisky, they tr- traded up to draft at number two. Past Mahomes, past Watson. I know they're sick of everyone saying that, but it's the truth. They traded up to get Trubisky. Not Deshaun Watson won a national championship. And not Patrick Mahomes, one of the most dynamic throwers in the draft. They went up to get a guy that played one year at North Carolina in Mitchell what Trubisky. What a guy. What a guy. That should have made them probably fired it right there on the spot if their defense wasn't so good. But this is the thing. like They are a quarterback away from being a legitimate team. David Montgomery's not bad. There's a lot worse running backs that made it to the playoffs last year on good offenses. Mm-hmm. They have Allen Robinson. They have yeah. Darnell Mooney. They have Anthony Miller. Yeah. What else do they need? Yeah. And now they. I mean, Andy and, Dalton's I mean, not the answer, though. That's the one thing. Andy Dalton's not the answer. No, he's not. 
Like this team doesn't improve at all. They're just back to that to an average NFC team at this what point. What pick do they have? I want to say they have like twenty two or something. I know you had them taking Kyle Trask in our mock draft, which I think is a possibility. Maybe maybe not first round. Might be a little ambitious, but definitely second yeah. round if he's still there. All I'm saying is they have not looked at trying to fix that problem in a full rebuild type of way. They did they did try to make the trade. But, I mean, they've brought in Nick Foles. I mean, okay, here's the part that makes it worse. I forgot about this. Ryan Pace brought in Mike Glennon to try and help Trubisky before Trubisky. Like, he had Mike Glennon there. That's the quarterback he first, I believe that was the first quarterback he signed was Mike Glennon. They get Trubisky. They get Foles. And now they get Dalton. Those guys are all similar and they're not franchise-changing quarterbacks. They're just, really, they're just stopgap guys. I mean, Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. I get that. But we saw what he did as a starter. He's yeah. not as good as people label on he paper had, as a Super Bowl He had Bowl a winner. lot of people around him that, that were able to get that Eagles team and a the Super Bowl win. And, and the, the coaching coaches. around him. Yes. That, that, I don't, I'm not trying to take that away from Foles because Foles is a good quarterback. He's not a franchise-changing guy. That's what the Bears have needed to make a legitimate run. Because this this city needs their football team to succeed again. And they're not doing it with their quarterback choices. And that's making this hot seat even much more. I don't know if Matt Nagy's job is as necessarily under fire as Ryan Pace's. I think that right now, you have to look at both of them and say, it. if they don't make the playoffs next year, this these these two guys, might we might be seeing gone after the season ends. Yeah, definitely. I... You know, I just you feel for the people because you know they have the gut feeling, and you always go with your gut, and you always think that your gut's never wrong. But these guys, if you are ever with them, and they say, "I got a gut feeling," just don't do what they say because whatever they're doing right now is just not working. Yeah, I feel bad for. I mean, I have a buddy who's a big Bears fan, and I, I of course had to console him after the Dalton trade or the Dalton signing, and he just said, "This is crap." What are we doing? It's just he, it's I I don't know I don't even know what to say. Like he he was I sent I sent him the thing like how do you, what do you think about Andy Dalton? He told me one word one word in the text, gross. Gross. That's all he said was gross. And I we were we were consoling, and he was just like, you know what? It's better than nothing. But Chicago does not need better than nothing they need great and they haven't got great which means who's gonna be the guy to get them great that's what the fan base wants and i don't think ryan pace is a guy because he's made that decision wrong four times now yeah so more often than not, i don't know what else to say worst decision yeah but anyway as we end up the show on my anger don't forget to angrily hit that that like and subscribe button on our podcast because I guess the more times you guys do it, the more angry I get. So if you like me being angry and going on rants, hit hit that like button, that's follow like button. Yeah, uh, that's like the uh, SpongeBob guy who sells the shells. That's like I'm angry and I because I got so many <laughs> shells. Oh my goodness! Yes, yeah, I I think that that was a I don't know, I think that you couldn't have made a more perfect example. But if you want more anger and debate, I guess you're gonna have to hit that subscribe and like button. I said it three times now, so hopefully you don't forget. But follow us on social media as well, and we will see you next time. Take care, everybody.